This is Warrior's Way Podcast, Episode 31, and I'm James Eek. My grandfather was Jigoro Kano Sensei's first jiu-jitsu teacher. He came to my grandfather's dojo to practice jiu-jitsu. When my grandfather passed away, there was only my grandmother and my father, who was small in stature. Therefore, they asked Kano Sensei to take over the dojo. But it didn't go as they hoped, and they reluctantly closed the dojo. At least this is what I heard. Three years later, Kano-sensei opened his own dojo. He had been taught jiu-jitsu by three teachers, including my grandfather. And I've heard that on the occasion of the 50th anniversary of his dojo, he paid his respects to the spirits of his three teachers. According to my brother, who attended the ceremony, Jigoro Kano-sensei turned to my grandfather's altar first and talked to his spirit as if he was still alive. My brother said, The ceremony today was so sincere, I was overcome by emotion. A short time after the opening of his dojo, Kano-sensei visited our house, which is when I met him for the first time. When I served him a cup of tea, he said, You look a lot like Rusan. I thought, Do I look that much like my father? Not long after, he said to me, My dojo has a women's section. Why don't you come and see? My mother took me there later, and that was the first time I visited the Kodokan. At my house, my grandmother was very strict about manners, and I always had to maintain the formal seiza posture when I was on tatami. So I was very surprised to see women practicing their ashiwaza, throwing their opponents at the Kodokan. I thought, how bad-mannered of them. After coming back home, I told my mother and brother what I had seen at the Kodokan. They didn't force me to join the Kodokan, but I decided to do so on my own. I was 22 years old. At first, I didn't find it interesting. Only after I became friends with two women a year older than me did I gradually begin to enjoy practicing judo. During the war, the dojo was empty. Teachers returned to their hometowns, and I was the only teacher in charge of the women's section at that time. But I wanted to continue with judo. When the war was over, the second in charge of the dojo had the idea that women should learn goshen-ho, or self-defense methods. So three prominent sensei, Nagoka sensei, Sumura sensei, and Mafune sensei started developing Gohin-ho. And Noritomi sensei used to sit in the corner of the dojo so that we could see, so that we could see what they were doing. And Mafune sensei would say, what about this? What about that? And Sumura sensei would respond by saying, okay, let's do it. And that was Goshen Ho, and that's how it was developed. Before the end of the war, the women's section of the Kodokan had only accepted girls from good families. But after the war, the head of the dojo hoped to provide more opportunities for women to practice judo. So practice fees were lowered so that anybody could attend the dojo. The number of female members as a result increased to 60 or 70. The size of the dojo was 100 mats, which was too small for such a large number of women. And we asked that if the dojo was ever reconstructed, that it be enlarged to 200 mats, 
which I can still remember. Because I had thought that it would be difficult for women's judo to develop, and I had never imagined that so many women could come and practice judo, this is a good memory for me. When I started teaching judo in Southern California, there were still many Japanese Nisei families in the area, and their daughters came to take my judo classes. The number of students taking a ranking test sometimes reached 60 or 70. I think it was because there were a lot of Japanese descent who had a deep understanding of judo that I was able to achieve successful results. My hope is to encourage more women to practice judo. In the past, there was a time when we provided judo training to as many as 70 women in the women's section of the Kodokan. The judo training we provided in those days may not have satisfied those who wanted to win competitions, but I think it is very good for the health of body and mind. Because I'm getting older, I can't make any meaningful contribution to the future development of judo. I would encourage young sensei to focus their efforts on further promoting women's judo in Japan. I still remember lectures by the head of the dojo that I often attended when I started practicing judo. We all gathered in the large dojo to listen to him, and he always repeated the same expressions. Worthy use of human efforts, mutual prosperity. Some students would jokingly say, there he goes again. That made me think that my way of learning judo was different from theirs. I always keep Jigoro Kano Sensei's teachings in my mind when I practice judo. It's very important for people to learn how we should live correctly. And I think the head of the dojo explained that. When I look back on the past, I have always remembered his teachings all throughout my life. And I am glad to say that I have been able to focus my efforts in order to fulfill his teachings. Because of judo, I traveled to lots of different countries like Australia and Canada. And I was invited a number of times and a lot of opportunities to interact with people there. I believe these opportunities were given to me because I learned judo with Jigoro Kano Sensei's teaching in my mind, and I'm very appreciative. In practicing judo, it's important to learn waza, or techniques, and at the same time to discipline your mind. I've selected the following words as my personal motto. Be strong, be gentle, be beautiful. Be strong refers to the importance of strength for the body and mind. Be gentle refers to the depth of gentleness. The Jew or gentleness of judo is well reflected in kata. This is what I've always thought. Even if you may look weak, inside you are both strong and gentle. The third one, be beautiful, is included because I thought that the beauty of the mind is particularly important. Everybody likes beautiful things. Women tend to be attracted by things with a beautiful appearance, but I always try to be a person with a beautiful mind. Be strong, be gentle, be beautiful is a motto that I made up myself and I think the words are good, particularly in regard to be gentle. I feel happy that I have been able to thoroughly study junokata, or forms of gentleness. O over many years, junokata is designed so that you can hold your opponent in a straight-on position without having to resist their power. 
This is very hard to do, and I have kept practicing Junokata throughout my life and have finally started to understand its essence. I now feel truly happy. So that is from an interview with Keiko Fukuda-sensei held at Judo's home dojo, the Kodokan, back in 2009. Keiko Fukuda-sensei was born in 1913 in Tokyo. And her grandfather, as mentioned in the interview, was a renowned jiu-jitsu master who was Jigoro Kano, the founder of Judo's first teacher. Keiko Fukuda was invited by Kano himself to study judo and joined the women's section as she mentioned when she was 22 years old um, fast forward a bit to 1964 and she demonstrated the juno kata at the summer olympics in tokyo then in 1966 she visited the united states to teach judo and in 67 she established the san francisco women's judo club um, and as she mentioned, she traveled all over the world, mostly United States, of course, going to Japan, um, Australia, France, and other countries. And all of this travel and her teaching, she earned the name, the mother of world women's judo. Now, apart from all of that, which is pretty amazing in and of itself, Fukuda-sensei was a 10th degree red belt. And she's the only woman to have ever reached that rank in judo. And she continued to teach and train as best as she can, could until she was 99 years old. And, when she, and that's the age that she passed away when, uh, back in 2013. Um, she taught judo m mainly or exclusively maybe to women um, in San Francisco from the 1960s up until her death at her dojo, which is called the Soko Joshi Judo Club. And uh, it's still running. Fukuda-sensei was a true master of judo. She dedicated, dedicated herself to her art to a degree that most people I don't think would ever do. Um, judo was literally her life. She didn't marry, and as she put it in interviews, she was married to judo. And up until her death, she was known as the last living student of judo's founder, like I mentioned, Jigoro Kano. What appeals to me about Fukuda-sensei and everything that she was about is that I think... Most likely, it's to do with the fact that my first martial art I trained in when I started, you know, 37 years ago or something like that, it was judo. Um, so I was a kid doing judo, which seems strange now. <laughs> it's not that uh, doing judo was strange, but that I started so long ago and that I was very similar to the kids in my kids' classes. And now... Here I am, all these years later. Um, now, my first sensei in judo was an amazing woman by the name of Sensei Joan Walker. Um, sensei Walker was 
not only an amazing black belt in judo, but she had this ability to somehow inspire us kids to make us walk this thin line of discipline and self-control, which in hindsight, having been teaching kids myself for years now, um, that it must have been tough. She was a tiny lady doing a martial art, and yet we loved her and were kind of afraid of her, to be honest. <laughs> there are two martial artists who changed the arc of my life, and one I've talked about before, and that's my longtime teacher, Gurudan Inosanto. But probably just as important, or maybe more so, is Sensei Walker. She not only taught me some pretty awesome judo, but she taught me what a sensei is really like. Sometimes she was gentle, sometimes she was compassionate, and all the time she demanded discipline and self-control and kindness and respect. And Sensei Joan, like Fukuda Sensei, she taught to be strong, to be gentle, and to be beautiful. Sensei Walker was this to all of us kids. And I know that if I've become anything as a martial artist and as a martial arts instructor, it's in no small part thanks to such a great role model that I had when I was a kid. And I doubt I would be where I am today if it wasn't for that. And that's a, a great gift. Not only could Sensei Walker kick our butts, but she wouldn't put up with us hitting the pop in the junk food machine after class. And after every class, she'd roll us out in orange across the mats to every one of us when we were done, done training. And that always, the way she did it even, it was... It seemed like it was part of the martial art. I get kind of choked up just even thinking about it because that's how much she loved us. And I, when I think about the amount of money she must have spent on big bags of oranges for all of us kids, um, even that was something. And it's thanks to her that I got to train at summer judo camps with elite judoka adults every summer. And it's thanks to her that I learned to love martial arts and understand how transformative it can be. And for me as a child, judo, it was my safe place. My training was my safe place. And Sensei Joan made us all feel not only safe, but she made us feel loved, all the while keeping us very much on the straight and narrow. Fukuda Sensei, from what I've read, embodied judo unlike most others. She not only saw the power the training can bring, but realized what martial arts training can do for women. And for me, I've always wanted to not only see more women training in the martial arts, but truly dedicating themselves to it and hopefully, eventually, maybe going on to teach. There's something that women bring to martial arts that men simply can't bring or have a hard time doing it. 
And let's face it, if you're a big guy doing martial arts and a much smaller woman can control you and put you in your place, that shows the true effectiveness of that system. Plus, women naturally embody many of the attributes of martial arts that men strive to achieve, and a lot fail trying to get there. And you might think that is sexist against men, but ask yourself if women are naturally more compassionate, if they're naturally more understanding, if they're more encouraging, more calm, more caring than men are. And I know there's exceptions, of course but you probably understand the point. A woman who's accomplished in the martial arts can very much make themselves into a living representation of that ideal to never mistake kindness for weakness. Always striving to be kind and compassionate, but maintaining the abilities that martial arts and training bring and developing strength in all the ways that count, not just the physical but definitely that. Martial arts training, not just in judo, but in every system, can make us strong, gentle, and beautiful. And if you get a chance, there's a fantastic documentary out there about Fukuda Sensei that you can check out if you want to know more about her and her life and her philosophy and what she did and her impact on, on the world. Because few people, I think, are really quite like she was. Okay, so this all kind of goes with today's question, which is, who can training most benefit? Well, training, if you're doing it properly, it will change everyone's life who does it. And not only that, but I think it might have spinoff on those people that, you know, are in your sphere of influence. Training helps us to get an understanding of self-realization. And as we train, we pass this on to others and help them to have self-realization. And this whole process is what makes a difference in human life and reaching our potential. That's the power of training. Understanding yourself, your world, and our place in it, our true potential, and then helping others to get there. What's better than that? But this isn't something that should ever be for one culture or one color of skin or one country or one age or one sex or one gender. It's something that it's for everyone. And once you train for any period of time, I think most people have this dawning revelation that this world would be so much better if everybody trained in the martial arts. And I mean trained with good people in good schools and progress to where it could be. If everybody did it, men, women, children all over the world. So what can you do to make all of this amazing stuff happen? <laughs> well, like I said before, I'm sure you drag your friends and your coworkers and your colleagues into the dojo and get your kids and your family involved. Then you make your life amazing by training and help spread the word. That's it. And then you make all of those people that came before us proud. Right? But we have to remain true to what training actually means. That means digging in deep and learning the lessons that are to be learned. So there you go. Fukuda Sensei. Amazing stuff.
and a great great thing to to think about i think is that concept of being strong being gentle and being beautiful because if you get that man can't really ask for more so i think we'll leave it there um and i have been asked to do more women in the martial arts which i think is a great plan um Unfortunately, there are fewer women who have accomplished things like Fukuda Sensei. Um, and the reality is, is the martial arts world up until this point has been kind of sexist. Um, but I think that is going to change. And I hope that the influence of Fukuda Sensei, or maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're like, wow, that is an amazing woman. I'm going to look into her more. And um, maybe you're a lady yourself. And you are going to use that to motivate you to become awesome and be a 99-year-old martial arts master. (laughs) So anyways, um, if you haven't yet, please go on Facebook and find our Warrior's Way podcast Facebook page. Set it up so you guys can get in touch with me there. Um. Of course, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to give me a pat on the back, <laughs> I've written a couple books and you can find those on Amazon, on Kindle, on Kobo, um, both as paperbacks and as ebooks. Um, and then the last thing is our website. Uh, I actually posted a reading list on it the other day, so it is actually starting to build up. Um, but all of this is helping to expand on what we're doing with the podcast. Um, but what can you do is, just like I mentioned before, spread the word. If you're enjoying this, tell your buddies about it. Tell those people in your dojo about it. Um, share it on your social media. Um, the other thing you can do if you're enjoying it is please give it a review. That helps me know that the word is getting out and people are liking it. Because why do anything if people don't like it? Um, and apart from that, that is all I have for today. We will look at actually another judoka next time. And it may even be another woman. So in the meantime, though, get yourself out on the mats, train hard, have fun, be a good friend, and try to be awesome. Thanks.